This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 373, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm gonna be like you, Dad. You know I'm gonna be like you. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little 
Fanboy Pick a Week Podcast, episode 373. I'm Connor Kilpatrick, and I am joined today by Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. How are ya? We, we are at fanboy.com. <laughs> we like comics. We read comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us, for the first time, picks the, the one they like the best and writes about it on the website, talks about it in the, on the podcast, along with other books of the week, other topics of interest. Before we get to the show, a quick reminder and a warning. This is a discussion show about the week's books, so we'll be spoilers. There will be some things you'll learn about Batman and other people this week that you may not know if you didn't read the books. So come back later after you've read the books and don't be spoiled. So this week, for the first time in 12 years, someone other than me, Josh, and Ron had the pick, and his name was Paul Montgomery. That's right. To prepare for this momentous occasion, I read all of the books. Well, good. That's usually a qualifying factor in picking the pick of the week. Oh, was I supposed to have been doing that? Because you could quiz me on any of them from any of the, you know, even just self-published stuff. I could tell you. Don't, Don't do that. You had a very strange week, I thought. Anyway, I looked at my stack when I sat down and I had fewer Marvel and DC proper books than I had other, quote unquote, other books. Like non continuity, yeah, like uh, Vertigo, All Ages, you know those kind of those kind of books, but in indie books, I have fewer regular Mar- uh, Marvel and DC books than, than other books. There's a nice range of stuff, mm-hmm. some high profile stuff. So I went with something. I went with one of the obscure titles that sort of snuck under the radar this week. And what I like about it is, if you did read it, you're almost guaranteed you you probably loved it. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's anyone who didn't like it. I, I'm speaking, of course. About Arrow, no, I'm sorry, that's the ad. Batman number 17, of course, part of the new 52. Uh, this is you might add, this is not in the news at all. So this is this is actually the end of a story arc called Death of the Family. Um, it involves the Joker having a dinner party. Goes awry. There's a two-headed lion cub that explodes. I'm still trying to parse the metaphor of that. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I thought this was a really great, really strong issue. I've been, you know, I'm a big fan of Scott Snyder's Batman run, and uh, I think this is another high point. This is another highlight of that, of, of this ongoing run. And um, I think he stuck the landing. Of course, everyone pretty much agreed. I don't want to get too much into the into the into the reaction of the, the yeah. audience because that that's a whole other discussion. I want to. I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about with this book, and I just want to focus on what I thought about the issue. And one of the things I thought about the issue was that it subverted expectations, which is talking about the audience reaction. But the big cliffhanger in the last issue, which was also pick of the week, was that the Bat family was all tied up. The Joker had them all, and they had all these bloody uh, cloiches or whatever, however you pronounce it. Uh, the silver dome that you keep food under on if you're at um, Downton Abbey. He had all these bloody domes in front of them, and we didn't know what was under them, and many people thought it would be Alfred. Of course, it wasn't going to be Alfred, but many people thought it would. To be fair, in Downton Abbey, you keep everything on one of those. The phone, <laughs> right. toilet it paper. Makes, it makes everything much more sophisticated. The dog. Just tiny letters. Comes. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, what this issue did the best was it, it really held you by the throat in terms of tension. Every page you turned, you were waiting for some sort of horrible thing to be revealed, and you know, I didn't think Alfred would be under the under the dome, but right. you didn't know what was going to be there. And I just, he kept sort of teasing it out, like you thought you would find out, and then you didn't, and then you thought you'd find out, and then you didn't, and then you finally did. And it was horrible until it was revealed to be a, a big practical joke by the Joker, which I thought was wonderful. Right. I, I think it's it's sort of the Hitchcockian version of torture porn. Like it's if if Alfred Hitchcock had you know directed a Saw movie, like it's all about. The about the tension I mentioned in the in the written review that it's like Schrodinger's Butler, 
Like you don't, I mean, we, we, I mean, I don't think any, you know, like you said, none of us really expected Alfred to be dead, but it's the closest I've ever felt to that being possible. Yes. And, and as I said, you know, I felt that the Joker was capable of anything. And the fact that he doesn't actually murder any of the direct Bat family, there, there are several deaths that most of them were last issue, a lot of the prison guards and stuff like that. But this is all about the last laugh. It's about the lingering victory. Even though he went over the falls and his face is, you know, floating around somewhere um, and he's out of the picture for right now and Batman and company got away with all their faces intact, it's all about the lingering doubt and the, the sense of betrayal and, and, and mistrust that the Bat family now kind of has for... For Bruce. Well, it's a metaphorical death of the family. Right. Bruce saves them all, but through the course of the story, you know, they didn't know if he had let their identities leak out. And there's been some discussion about whether that, that actually happened, because if you read this series, you get a different view of that versus the tie-ins. And I'm just focusing on what happened in this particular book rather than the tie-in yeah. issues. And, and so this That's book leaves it ambiguous. So... You know, he tries to hang out with all of his quote-unquote kids at the end, and they all have better things to do, Dad. He had once was a very close-knit group, is now torn asunder, which is the last laugh and the the last two pages are all about. And I like that it's not just like slamming doors and and going away. It's it's the subtle thing where they're just... I'm going. I'm going somewhere else, or I can't take the call right now. I'm busy, so it's just it's this lingering thing, and it's in the back of their minds, and and that's how the Joker. That's how the Joker wins this round. Yeah, this issue made me giggle because, and literally this happened as I was reading this issue. I, I was thinking about all the great Joker stories that I'd read, and and how most of them end very ambiguously. You know, uh, the great the end of death in the family where Jason Todd is originally killed. Ended with the Joker being on a helicopter and explodes over the river and they never find his body. You never know if he's dead or alive. And that's almost exactly how this issue ends, too. And I, those are always my favorite. When, you know, the Joker has his way, he, he hurts Batman and he disappears and Batman doesn't know if he's dead or alive. And he's got to deal with not knowing that either. And I always liked those the best. And I thought when, when that's the way this ended, I just sort of laughed because that's what I was hoping it would happen. I'm also hoping for sort of a one-shot issue where they kind of have to reorganize Arkham Asylum because they got to work some some shit out <laughs> in terms of the bureaucracy and and the staffing. There could be a whole issue just about uh, doing job, you know. Uh, well, you got to uh, clean horse interviews out of all of Sea Wing, <laughs> all the horses. Horse. Yeah. See, there are a lot of things happened in this issue which I thought was great. There's a lot of things Snyder did really well, and one of them was. At the end, after the Joker goes over, and there's a great one-page scene with Bruce and Alfred where the tables are turned and Bruce has to take care of Alfred and gives him the bell, and that was great character stuff. And But then we used to flash back to the moment where, in Bruce's mind, where he doesn't quite know if he revealed himself to the Joker when he goes to Arkham Asylum as, as Bruce Wayne and decides to confront the Joker about the card that was left in the in the Batcave. You think there's doubt about that? No, no. I think everything right now is this, is weighing on his mind is what exactly he's responsible for. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I love that the, scene. That's where the doubt comes in. Is that, what is what has Bruce done? I thought that was the best. That was the best part of the of the issue for me. If you're actually looking for a thing that's fairly significant, mm-hmm. people have been well, nobody died. Well, what what did happen there is probably the most significant thing in the entire issue, and, and if not one of the most significant additions to the you know, Batman Joker relationship in a while. Right. The fact that, you know, if you're gonna say, No, he knows he doesn't care. You know, it and that that brings you that's uh that's Murdoch King Kingpin territory really. Mm-hmm. You know, they, yeah. they sort of yeah. came to a, a, a detente about it. I would say that I don't think I necessarily had a problem with the issue, but 
what it did for me is it, it sort of highlighted the fact that I am getting tired of the idea of the continual status quo, which I know is, is a rule of the game. But, you know, at the end of the day, the tables are mostly going to be reset to where they were. There's going to be, you know, in this, what they, what they managed to do was set up a, an emotional problem where, where nobody likes Bruce. But I feel like I've done that in Justice League. I know because when, you know, after Identity Crisis, everybody's like, we don't sure. know if we can trust you. I, I don't know. I feel like this happened in Batman relatively recently. And I, but I like it when the Bat family is all together. And this is actually going to be a thing that I think there's another book. I'm trying to remember which one it is where we talk about where if you have a group of people and they're up against the world. I like stories where they have to face that together. I don't like stories when the group itself crumbles apart. Mm-hmm. It, I, it's a uh, fifth season of West Wing where like all of a sudden these people that their problem was never with each other. Their problem was always over with everybody else. And so now it has to be repairing or exploring the relationship that's damaged now because of this other thing. I, I don't find that as appealing. But overall, like, like at the end of the day, like, of course, I was like, of course nobody's going to die. It's, it doesn't, and even if they are, then nobody believes it. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. Right. But really, I, I think that's, that you know, Snyder's locked into the contrivances of the, of the medium. It's, it's, it's what you have to do. And you can try to push that as much as possible. But it, at, the, you know, at the end of the day, I've just, I've just seen it so many times now that it's, it's, he did as well with it as you could. But I really like you know, stuff that you don't have to do that. And, and that's becoming more and more apparent to me as, as I read books. Because if you think about over in his other books, you know, if you, you think about American Vampire or you think about even um, the, the image book that Severed. I can't. Severed, you know, like he can do whatever he wants with those stories. And you can take those to different places. And to me, that's much more appealing mm-hmm. just as a, as, a, as a reader in general. A story will tell you what it needs to do as you're writing it. And writing in continuity superhero stories is going to push back on you because that's the nature of it. And, and so it just highlighted that thing for me is the thing that I'm, I'm getting pretty tired of. Yeah, I mean, it's the nature of the thing. And there's, there's yes. sort of no winning there. And, and as you said, you can, just, you can stretch it as, as much as you can. And I think that's what he's doing. I yes. think he's within his bounds is, is doing some exciting things. And I don't know, but it's, it's sort of like, you know, when, when Dick became Batman for a while. And, and you know in the back of your head, as much as you're enjoying this, this progression of the story that you didn't really expect to happen, that the yo-yo is going to have to come back. Mm-hmm. But and you can it, only with, enjoy it for so long. And, and with that example, though, th- that's exactly... I, I actually liked that a lot more than I've liked the Batman, Batman stuff. Just because it was different. And yeah. I felt like it got yanked back too soon for my take. I was, I was still like, oh, that's it? You know, just when I really thought they were getting going and it was, it was fun. And it really felt like a new thing to explore. They pulled back too soon. It was like watching The Sopranos. The Sopranos always did that, where they would just end a story. And you're like, oh, okay. And, you know, that was, which is, you know, perfectly valid. You can do that. Real life doesn't let you do whatever. But, you know. Paul, talk to me about The Fly. The Fly. You it's wrote just... about The Fly a lot. And, and, <laughs> and I, I see that there's a metaphor there, but I'm not sure if I entirely captured it. Got it. Well, I just think of it as... The, the fly is is what's there in in the remains. It's you think of the fly as like a, a carrion sort of vermin kind of creature, and it's just it's there, and it's nibbling away at everything. And just this tiny, buzzing, annoying thing in the, in the back of your head. And so for that for the fly to be the final image, and it's it's very similar to the bottle episode of Breaking Bad that I mentioned in the review. Um, that is one of my favorite hours of television. I just, I, I just think it's, it's a beautiful sort of elegant image of, of dread and the yeah. fact that even though the Joker is gone in body, there's something that remains and it's, it's, it's festering and there's, there's decay happening here. And that's, that goes to the death of the family itself. It's, that's, now, that's, the, that's my whole Lord of the Flies thing. Now let's talk about the artwork. 
a little bit. I, I, I'm looking at this from the beginning. It feels like this was a lot looser, a lot more frenetic, a lot more. The feels, inking feels was grittier. Little, yeah, little and I, this is by the way, this is not a complaint, but it's definitely there's a stylistic difference that had happened, which actually does kind of go along with the sort of harried and insane nature of of everything. But, but by the sort of middle but of this for book, this for this for this issue or or for this arc, because I feel this like issue. of this, I I felt like last issue was also a bit loose. Yeah, and um, no, it, I think it's been happening more and more. I don't. Maybe that's Capullo and and uh, Glapion, you know, just sort of adjusting to what they're doing as they go. Because I felt like it was much more clean lined uh, in the beginning, and now it's it's it was much more loose. It's sort of lots of thin lines and and mm-hmm. you know stuff everywhere, which which doesn't necessarily not fit. I just it's a thing that I definitely noticed. It looked great. It it yeah. really continues to be a a monster book art wise. You, you end up with Capullo having to do a lot of heavy lifting. Because there is a lot of this was, I mean, mostly people sitting around a table for for a lot of it, and you know there were there were bits of action, and there's there's a lot of stuff that he's got to work around while they while they you know talk things out and explain things. This bit near the end, where they're sort of sitting there talking to each other, felt very much like his Dark Knight Returns moment. You know, right. when they're standing over the falls, visually and sort of uh, narratively. Yeah, and I, for me, it, it all goes back to the flashback at Arkham and the two different Jokers that he presents because they look like the same person, the same individual at just two very different states of lucidity, you know, or, or, or mania. And so you have the degradation of his face and the, and the face as it shifts off as it's, you know, it's, it's coming loose from his head. It's just, it's really gross and really creepy. And it, you know, it escalates, you know, w- with the issue. And then you have that, that flashback where he's more serene, but there's still, you know, something going on. It's like, like shark's eyes sort of. And he's got um, the he's got the uh, he's got the movie Bruce. got the movie smile not mm-hmm. the yeah. not the I, my guess my prediction is that when Joker comes back eventually if if they can wait as many as eighteen months <laughs> it won't be that long they're gonna just ignore this at least the the face part they're it's, gonna have to explain it somehow they will I'm guessing I, he's got to go to the not. he's got to go to the same doctor that uh, treated uh, like Two Face in, in Dark. It'll Night be a turns. fast like here it is. Don't worry about it. Let's move on. And yeah. he's going to look like he used to, or like however they want him to at that point. But right. I'm guessing. Speaking that of the, moving on, Uncanny X Men number one. This was another book I didn't need to really enjoy because I there's a lot of books right now that I'm really enjoying <laughs> Marvel. But fuck me, I really enjoyed Uncanny X Men number one. So did I. This was a this was a contender for for pick of the week. But yeah. Brian Bendis, Chris Bocciolo, t- telling the story of Cyclops and his quote-unquote evil X-Men team. I, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it, too. I thought the leader in this story is, is uh, a Bocciolo. I was, yeah. I was like, wow. The people who like Bocciolo weren't kidding. Because yeah. I, don't, I, I don't see his work a lot, mm-hmm. just because he doesn't show up in stuff that I tend to read. But I was really, I, I was really impressed. If, you, if you'll note, uh, those of us who've been to the San Diego Comic-Con, uh, they wrecked shit outside of where we normally stay. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. I'm Pretty sure the Baja Fresh didn't survive. Which, son of a bitch. <laughs> I, that and the little, the little French place that does the yes. uh, French toast croissant. That's that's. Where are we going to eat lunch? I, I I don't know. I mean, like literally, I went to Baja Fresh like four days in a row. <laughs> yes. Because I live in New Hampshire now, and this this is that's what I have to do. Uh, no, but besides, like seriously though, like I was like, wow, that's. I feel it didn't feel like it was the the Photoshop copied in version, but no, I, I knew drawing, exactly. Yeah. I knew exactly where they were, and I was like, that's that's pretty good. You know, uh, and everybody in comics is going to know exactly where they were too, which yeah. that was actually. I love the uh, I love the diagonal sort of compositions when you get into the action sequences. It's very sort of static grids in the beginning, and then you get to 
the big fight in the middle, this sort of flashback that they're talking about, and it's nuts. it's all these slanted, yeah, slanted page layouts, and it all goes to Cyclops's new, you know, X design on his mask. And Which I um, think it looks great the, the, when Botchlow draws it, and I also really like the um, sort of knight-looking Magneto. I think when other people draw it, it will look different. But yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tricky design, but. Yeah, you're not wrong. It wasn't so bad in the pages. The main thrust of this story is that uh, this is the following Cyclops' team, which includes Magneto and Magic and a bunch of uh, Emma Frost and a bunch of Emma Frost. Other, other mutants who are gathering the uh, mutants in the, you know, the revolution that's coming. And then the big reveal is that Magneto has turned informant to S.H.I.E.L.D., which includes new Nick Fury and also Agent Coulson. One of the things I liked about this uh, was that um, I'm gonna to give Bendis credit is like he, I felt like he'd really toned down on his quippiness. Mm-hmm. The stuff that he relied on to get through issues of Avengers, the stuff that I got very tired of eventually, isn't there. Meaning, just sort of the hey, we're all talking to each other for no reason. Like it was all character and plot based. It was moving forward constantly, and it, it had a different tone than the Avengers did, which I thought was really good. You know, right away, first panel, I'm like, come on, that's Magneto. Because it's the same scene from the second X Men movie, basically to start with. So you know, you know, with this. So that the, the, from in terms of like reveal, I was like, oh, well, I know what that's going to. So they be. got me on that one. Yeah, I didn't know it was going really? to be him either. Yeah. Yeah. I figured it had to be. Uh, I was thrown off a little bit by the t- by when he was in the the group. Well, you're but. you're you're better at this than we are. So do no, you I, I like do the rest I, of the I show? like it a lot. I actually like. Listen, <laughs> we got to talk about some. Tell know, us what we two think about episodes in no, this motherfucker. <laughs> I love the colors on this. Yeah. This, this great, you Colored know, purple and, and pink Sent thing. Sent it out yeah. for inks, brought it back for colors. I was impressed by that. What they're doing with Marvel now, how long it lasts, who knows. But for now, almost all these books have a, have a new life injected into them and make them really fun to read. I look forward to most of them when they come out. And as much as I hate having to dig into my wallet for them, I do really <laughs> enjoy reading them. No, and I, I wasn't looking, I, you know, I was kind of interested in what this was going to be, just the direction that they're taking uh, Scott Summers and Cyclops. I mean, this is not my favorite character uh, whatsoever, but I think this is really interesting. And and then the, the curve at the end, at least for me and Connor, uh, was really interesting. And I, I like that it, it's sort of, he's a double agent. It's, and it's a really nice counterpoint tonally to the other X-Men books, which are much more lighter and hopeful and funny. Yeah, you know, if you look at all new X Men and you look at Wolverine and the X Men, which also came out this week, they're much different. This is a much darker book on Kenny X Men, and not dark in a grim and gritty way, but it's you know the themes in it and the characters are much darker. So I like that they all feel a little different. You wouldn't necessarily think Bachelo for you know the darker, you know, more sinister story. You would think Happy Go Lucky for Bachelo. I'd think just with his range of expression and hyperbole. I think, but I but so, but this is a neat. It's it's funny out. because uh, if you were going to talk about art, um, just as a slight aside is that also in Wolverine and the X Men this week, Ramon Perez made his debut. Ramon's right. you know, my favorite artist out there, but I actually I enjoyed the I enjoyed this art on this one a lot more than that one. Yeah, I don't know if that would work, worked quite as well as I was hoping it was going to work. No, mm-hmm. yeah, another great book, and there was a bunch of great books, and we're going to talk about four in a row, in term, at least in my opinion, uh, was Battlefields. The I keep saying it backwards. It's the Fall and Rise of Anna Karkova. This is the first issue of that storyline. I think this is the final arc of Battlefield. I, I, I missed this issue. Oh, really? This yes, I This was fantastic. Did. I'm um, sure. It was basically <laughs> just a character piece. It was almost like a one-set play. And, Paul, you don't read these, do you? No, I'd, I'd, I'd got to go back and catch okay. up on them. Well, sorry. The, this was like a one-act play. It was basically, Josh, remember the character Anna Krakova. She was from, from the first arc? The Night Witch's arc. Yeah, yeah. She's flying a patrol. She gets shot down by the Germans. She wakes up in a German prison camp being tended to by a British officer who has some medical training. And it's basically the two of them talking in that room for 80% of the issue. Mm-hmm. 
He can do that. And you, and you go through different emotions, and you and you you reveal a lot of character. You know, he's Jewish, she's Russian. They have cultural differences, but they have a common enemy. She's very angry that the Russians have taken the brunt of the war. There's all kinds of things going on through their conversations, and but they start to you know have affection for each other, and then at the end, the Russians come and liberate the camp, and all hell breaks loose. And it was wonderful. It really was. As, as I was reading, I, I was like, "Wow, this is the whole issue." They're just talking, and it's great because Garth Ennis is one of the best character it- writers in comics. Wasn't Tankies just last week or the one before? Like, they're just blowing these out. They're getting rid of them. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're going out quick. Hey, guys, there's some quality books over here. Get, get them out. Get them out the door quick. I got another picture of a boob to put on the cover. Once these battlefields, I have the first hardcover, and I want to get the other ones. These, these have been some of the best comics of the last yeah. few years. I really enjoyed the Tankies minis. We didn't talk about the final issue, but I really enjoyed that one as well. So That got better and better. At first, that was one of the harder ones to get into because it was very foreign. I mean, just because the characters were not only British, but like, you know, like the one dude was from a, a part of England that, you know, the way that he spoke was very, very different. And then they were in the Korean War, which is very different and, and in China. Sorry, this was a little harder to get into, but by the end, it really came together. You're going to love this issue, I guarantee it. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm I, making my own guarantee. I have no doubt. Would, would this have been my pick of the week had I not blown it? It might have been. Wow. Fury Max number nine, thing in the war genre from Garth Ennis, two in a row. Another great issue. This is the finale of the Vietnam Punisher storyline. And great. I mean, I'm running out of specific things to say about them, but wow. I mean, just again. Well, you could, you, I think for this one, you could very easily uh, zoom in on the castle sniper sequence. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, where they, they just sort of talked about what it might possibly feel like to be in war. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a shot of basically of, of Frank Castle you know, sitting in a, in a blind, just calmly shooting a lot of people, one of the, you know, one, two times. And, you know, they make a, they make a, a, a reference to sort of the sound of, of the way that that rifle works. And, the, you know, it's two clicks back, up and back, forward and down. The four clicks, you know, back, yeah. and back out and back, down and in again. It, it, it really was very visceral, this issue. They escaped yeah. from the Vietnam prison camp, Nick Fury and Castle, you know, they escaped to the next war. And the preview little panel that they've been doing it looks like an old grizzled furious i wonder what war we're going to next judging by that because his hair is yeah well, look at the and, the and look at the camouflage it's definitely a different yeah era of camouflage so yeah this has been great this is i think we're going into the final arc now with the last three it's 12 issue series i said so when i'm waiting for the trade for this to come out when the, the collection i hope they put out a 12 issue collection i will i will buy that in a heartbeat you know what must be difficult what to tell a story that fits in between other Star Wars stories that already exist, that it contains characters that we all think we know pretty damn well, and having it not suck. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of wedge in this issue. There certainly is wedge, Hero of the Rebellion. And he doesn't screw around. I, this was great. Star Wars number two from Brian Wood and Dark Horse and Carlos Danda. Again, much like the first issue we talked about. I, I think Carlos Danda is probably the one we haven't talked about enough. Yeah, no, he, you're he, right. He draws great starships, which is you know, kind of important for a Star Wars book. I keep going back to the fact as I read this that, that Brian Wood said his favorite part of it is writing the dog fights and the stuff. And like, boy, part of the reason has got to be that he's, he's really, the artist is, is really backing him up on that part of it. Yeah, there's a great sequence where Wedge and Luke are fighting in a, in a training, uh, I guess like a VR scenario. And, and there, you know, Luke is, Luke, like, he, he moves the uh, yoke hard to the, le- to the left and the, and the neck, it banks. And I thought it was just really visceral. Again, the way that was portrayed, you know, it was like you could really sort of hear it in your head. This has been, this is wonderful. Paul, are you still enjoying this? There's a Thrandoshian in here? Like Bosk? Yes. Yeah. Tr- Trandoshian. Trandoshian? No yeah. yeah. I know they don't like Wookiees. 
like all all the weird Star Wars trivia is coming back as I as I read this and sort of Leia's assembling this sort of black ops team and it's it's a it's a really cool concept. It's it's and it's interesting going back to what you were saying. I mean, it's it is hard. It's got to be hard to set up a story with these familiar characters between and it's I think it's like a two year space they have mm-hmm. between Episode four and five. I mean, you've got you've got Boba Fett in there, which I was kind of like, I don't know. Like, I kind of like Boba Fett coming in, you know, in Empire. But I don't know how much of a presence he'll have. It's it's just kind of like we don't even see him; just we see Slave One. Yeah, we see Slave One, but it's it's and it's sort of like you know, it's it's the shark music in Jaws. It's but look, Boba, Boba Fett is inevitable, right? It's like complaining that Wolverine shows up in an X Men story. It's like, That's true. He's gonna show up. Just everyone's got to deal with it, you know. It's also another one of those, if we're going to talk about the art, just like, it's another one of those things where they drew the characters and you know who they are, but it wasn't, right. it was the right way to uh, portray them. No, yeah. I know that's on Solo. I know that that's Luke Skywalker, but it's not. I even knew that was Wedge when he, when he took the helmet off. Yeah. It's not yeah. a weird attempt at trying it's, to show like a photo of them. It's not a pause DVD. Thing. No, it's not that at all. And it's, it's really good for that. And I, I like the difference between Luke and, and Leia. You know, she, he's relatively low on the totem pole and he's real, you know, she's relatively high. But, you know, they, they still sort of talk to each other off to the side, you know. And, and, and there's, a, there's either jealousy building or there's something going on with people, other, the other people that are sort of eyeing them as they do that. Mm-hmm. Right. The whole thrust here is there's a mole in the rebellion and Leia's black ops team has been tasked with finding that mole. Let me guess it's the lizard guy. I'm going to guess it's Luke. No, I, it's Luke. It could be Luke. That would be, would be quite, quite, a, quite a bomb to drop. It would also, change the whole trilogy, but it could be. Yeah. Wow. I like the uh, I like the scene where Leia is sort of watching a like a tra- travel documentary on Alderaan and like mourning the loss of her planet because you don't really get that in the movies. No. You know. The, yeah. This, no, this nice is, moment of mourning. In Star Wars, they walk away from tragedy all the time and they never make mention of it again. Luke burns his aunt and uncle <laughs> on a fire. <laughs> As the robots help, they all throw it on there. <laughs> And they never talk about it again. Well, he didn't really like his aunt and uncle, so... I guess, but Leia's really upset about Aldra. She never mentions it again, the because only person, George Lucas has no heart. The only person <laughs> without any sort of, I guess, lingering psychological problem in the film is, is Han, but you're right. That is an area that is fertile for development. So you've yeah. got to yeah. find where in between the movies you can to find the story, and in, in, in that part, you can definitely find it, because there's no well, time for that. I, I no, Han's callous. I, he's going to have a moment where he goes back into the cargo bay. He's like, oh, I'm going to check on something with the hydro spanner. And then he's going to think about like his parents that he lost or something. <laughs> that stuff happens. It's just off camera. One more quick favorite thing is the Trandoshan character is just as expressionless as you know, <laughs> he is in the movie. Like, <laughs> or, he just, yeah. Draw his, him like it actually is a rubber mask. Yeah. I love that. It's awesome. Hey, if you like Amazon, you should help support iFanboy by using Amazon in, in no – uh, it, it's not difficult at all. You just go to uh, ifanboy.com slash Amazon. It's going to link you to Amazon, and it's going to uh, give a little little something to us. So anything that you buy. Buy uh, a piano. Buy- yes, I agree. Can you get a piano? Listen, I, I, I got another Probably. alert for a Mexican vacation last time I bought when I bought Skyfall. I was like, do you also want to go to Mexico? So, you know. And you thought about it. You were like, mm, only $2,200. If someone wants to go to Mexico and spend $2,200 and use our <laughs> link... That'd be awesome. But the thing is, it doesn't take you. It doesn't take you any different. It doesn't, it doesn't cost it you anything. It doesn't take you anywhere different. It only it only takes a little piece off Amazon, and we, we, right. we, we wet our beak a little. Yeah, a little so bit. Now, now, right here, the situation. The Casio AP220 Salviano digital piano with bench. This is a full size item for seven ninety nine ninety nine. Available from Amazon Prime. So you get that here in two days. You could buy a piano. That's a pretty good price for a piano. Never too late to learn. 
Okay, if the, there's also, if you want to go up a little, the Yamaha Arius is uh, $12.99.99, also Prime eligible. Wow, Fancy Baby Grand. It never, it never ceases to amaze me. Or just it doesn't have to be some big either. If you you like that vitamin water shit, like you can get subscriptions <laughs> to get the vitamin cocoa water. Oh, we're like, never getting them as a sponsor. In the future, we will all be sold by Amazon. So you can go to itemway.com slash Amazon and help us out. That would be uh, much appreciated. Yeah. I used to be a big fan of Anna Senti's in you know in the eighties and nineties. She did Daredevil, and those those are really actually really awesome comics. And I hear legends of this. <laughs> I I read her Catwoman, not not good. I read her Green Arrow. Not good. I read Katana. I actually kind of enjoyed it. I think a lot of it because Alex Sanchez is really good. He's the artist. I really like his style a lot, but I actually quite like the story. I think the real story is is Alex Sanchez, though. I, he I think is it's amazing. really cool. It's it's a re- what else has he done? I don't. Know. I don't know. I mean, from the first page, just really cool looking, dynamic art. It's a very different style than what you get in other comics. It's. But a great choice for like samurai fights, and there's a cool bad guy in this, uh, Coil. Really who's it. yeah, he's got like his 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 sword does the thing like when you're in the Olympics and you do the, the ribbon thing, yeah, the ribbon dance, but it's a sword. The ribbon dance, but it's a sword, and it, it can strangle it you like a you snake. And cut you. It was great. Yeah. I would, Josh, I would encourage you to at least look through the art on this one. Really, I was a little confused by the story. Like it, uh, like I Katana's was able character. to follow along, but yeah, but and she's like she believes that her husband is in this. this well, it's, she soul believe sword. It. Her, her, the sword she has takes the souls of the people it kills. So the sword killed her husband's. Her husband's soul is in the sword. And so she goes to San Francisco to Little Japan. Little Japan. I don't know if that's real. In that, is a little like feudal Japan town in the middle of San Francisco or not? But uh, it didn't matter because it was fun. And it's like Diagon Alley in Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, here's the thing that he's doing that's interesting. These pages don't have a ton of panels on it, and as a result, like his figures are really big. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like that, it gives it a different look than a lot than a lot of them. It almost feels like a big portrait on the page. It's really. Connor, does does she have sex? with the sword did that happen you know what i'm just looking at the handle and i'm saying it's possible let's move on to the next book avengers arena i think she had number four this 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 is the first time that i i really missed ron avengers arena number four was interesting because a we can now know that the covers don't necessarily reflect what's going to happen in the issue because yeah, right. the cover advertised X-23 versus Darkhawk, and nothing like that happened. Well, it kind of happened. The island brawl to end them all. No, it... Kind um, of. We never, they th- faced off. She faced off against Chase from Runaways, who eventually got the amulet to become Darkhawk at the end of the issue. So, so guess, kind of happened. Speaking, sure. It's enough to get... It's, it could pass in court, is what I'm saying. I'm still enjoying this. I really... like. I, it's really yeah. great character work, and, and this time we actually got to spend time with characters who I know. Yes. Uh, and I thought that that was interesting. I thought he had a pretty good handle on on who those characters were, and and you know since since Runaways, and if you liked Runaways and you wanted more of them, this this is not a bad place to be. I, I bet I bet Hopeless could write a pretty good Runaways book. So in this issue, we um, get mostly Chase and Nico, and then a, yeah. they run. They are on their own. They decide they can't make it on their own. They run into some other uh, other people, X twenty three and Hazmat, and some people, and then Reptile. Riptal, and then uh, they they have some problems. They fight, and then some through a s- series of unfortunate events, Chase ends up with the Darkhawk amulet, becomes the new Darkhawk. It looks like it hurts. It does look like it hurts. Fortunate. It stabs you to, you know, it burrows into your chest. Now this was the week I intended to go back to issues on Manhattan projects, but I couldn't find the back issues that I hadn't read since the first trade, so I didn't. So there you go. I read an issue of this, and I've been reading it digitally. Uh-huh. Yeah. This thing is a beautiful book. 
It is like the printing of it, the way that it's sort of like the, like the paper is really cool and the coloring was really cool. Colors really like, pop and yeah, I was like, this is a really this is like it, it's 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 not just what's on the page, but the object itself. I was like, oh, they really, really they went all out for it. I really like this paper. Yes, yeah, st- <laughs> story wise. I don't even remember what happened. I just was flipping it's, going. Well, it's all great. over the place. Um, the important thing, the essence of FDR, his, the, I don't know, his, his soul, his spirit, whatever that was his, or his mind that was floating is gone now. So no more FDR. I think we skipped a president or two and we're up to JFK at the end. When you talk about this book and you say the essence of FDR, especially yeah. since the last thing I read was the orgy that Harry Truman had, I really thought you were going to go in a different direction and I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> No, uh, but you know, there's there is some other weird shit going on. I I mean, I think right now. <laughs> I think the the highlight for this one was um, Albert Einstein being a badass motherfucker and kicking a guy through a portal into outer space, and that guy blowing up. When you look at that page, the one where he is about to kick, I guess he does kick him in it. And I was looking at the way that this whole thing was set up, and like this one panel that's just a shot of Einstein's mustache and nose. And I just really appreciated that page. <laughs> so that's really nice. Uh, oh, you know, there's a mistake here. Really? If you look at it, see, he's wearing, he's just got the wife beater undershirt on mm-hmm. with the uh, oh, look at the that. belt. And then he's wearing his suit jacket just in the kicking moment. And then if you go to the next page where he's looking through the portal, he's back in the undershirt. He, so. Oh, he only, he only kicks in a jacket. He dresses up for kicking. Kicking is a, is a formal man's game. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. You should do things differently. He's, he kicks them backwards he's not even facing he him and he's holding Listen, he's holding that, some booze that mustache was drawn so well that that's all that i noticed yeah I, it just came to me right then but otherwise yeah it's uh no but this is this crazy stuff and the, the idea is that jfk is now their their uh their puppet basically to announce that they're going to go to the moon and they've already been to outer space but the idea is they're going to be able to do anything they want now as it's going to be public now, Josh, BPRD, yep. your favorite. We've been talking a lot about Hellboy in, in the intervening yeah. weeks, and now this is one of those weird, sort of uh, off to the side stories about sort of a random agent and a group of them who go into this haunted house and they find a sword, and then we're sort of transported back to the days of the sword. I have no idea what happened in this two issue miniseries. <laughs> like none. I, I mean, I, I kind of do. There are a lot of monsters killed, and the sword's really neat looking, and apparently. Like a lot of people were sliced up, but it was the James Heron issue, and I and I only I bring this up only that I didn't I didn't care that I didn't know what was happening. I was literally I, I, I at one point I started just skipping the words. I was just reading the art and the pages because it looked so good. Now one of the things I thought was really interesting about this is that uh, Heron is actually doing a sketch blog with Ryan Otley, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I'm just reading into this or not, but I started to see a lot of the stuff in this that I was like, this looks like Otley. And not in a bad way, just meaning like the two, I feel like they were influencing each other a little bit. There was lots of blood and sort of things getting sliced off and sort of very gory, violent stuff. Or, or maybe, maybe it was always there and they're just sort of uh, compatriots in that way. But uh, gorgeous stuff, really, uh, really good looking. No idea what happened. Not sure if it matters. It might someday. I don't know. So those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. You can go to fanboy.com slash comics. You can make your pull list. You can rate and review your books. And you can pick your own pick of the week. And we like to run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the audience. And this week is, I think the numbers are going to be no surprise to anyone. <laughs> or actually, oh, wow. maybe maybe they will. Number five, uh, at the time of recording, is Wolverine the X-Men number 25 with 0.8% of the votes, which is starting with a zero. Keep that in mind. Number four, the Manhattan Project's number nine with 1% of the votes. Number three, Fury Max, number nine, with 1.1% of the votes. Number two, Uncanny X-Men, number one, with 5.4% of the votes. 
And number one, Batman 17, 85.3% of the votes. And now, keep in mind wow. how polarizing this book has been everywhere you look. And yet, 85.3% of the people said it was the best book of the week. And it had, a, it had like a 4.5 out of 5 rating. So, just saying. Take that as you, as you may. Just saying. Doesn't reflect the comments under Paul's pick of the week at all, though. Now, when you go to fm.com slash comics, you can write a user review, and uh, we'd like to read a couple on the show. And the first is from Ghost Man, who reviewed Batman and Robin 17, gave a story a 4 out of 5, and the art a 5 out of 5, and 1%, or is it 0.1? 0.1% of the people made their pick of the week. And Ghost Man's review says, in part, after a long night of fighting crime, Batman and Robin gets a much-needed rest. They, along with Alfred, retire to their respective rooms and soon drift into deep sleep, and all three dream. Bruce and Damien's dreams are more nightmares and very telling about the state of their psyches, and add even more depth to a relationship that at times borders on adversarial. But it's Alfred's dream that steals the show and makes this comic the perfect coda to Batman 17. Upset over the lack of death and death of the family, well, Alfred has got your back and delivers the goods two barrels worth, and what is sure to go down is one of the best splash pages of the year. And that little smile Alfred gives is priceless. A great issue. Go read it. Anybody else read this but me? No. It's a good time to be an Alfred fan. Yeah. There's been some great fan-pleasing Alfred moments between this and the, the annual. And it didn't I read fun. the annual. Because after I went back, you were right. I actually really enjoyed the annuals. Yeah. It was fun. This doesn't exactly work as a coda because, it, I mean, it does deal with the Joker. Alfred dreams about the Joker attacking everybody and shoots the Joker in the head with a shotgun. But the Damien-Batman relationship doesn't quite seem like it's been affected by the Batman 17. So in that sense, it didn't really feel like exactly like it came out of 17. But, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was solid, which is, this book has been the whole time. That's kind of their thing. Mm-hmm. All right, we got another review from Kenny G. Talking about Bedlam number four. Story, five out of five. Art, five out of five. POW, zero percent. I thought this was another fantastic issue. One thing I've noticed is that each issue of this has been very different from the others in style, but they all tell a cohesive story. I don't know if that is intentional or not, but it works. This had a great take on the classic superhero interrogates slash intimidates slash beats the truth out of a perp scene. The closing segment is chilling, especially given the headlines of the last few months. Although this book never shies away from the bloody truth. How about that opening segment? I think it was brilliant to not show the action and carnage. It made it that much more horrifying in our minds. I was talking with someone at the LCS last week about Rosmo's art. I think it's sort of polarizing. You either love it or hate it. There's not a lot of middle ground. I think it's perfect for this book but some find it too scratchy. I'm a Rosmo fan. He's kind of a chameleon, but yeah, there's, there's scratchiness is kind of his fallback thing. Is there a Not that it's a bad thing, but yeah. Ain't, ain't no problem with that, yo. So those are the user reviews. You can go to fanboy.com slash comics and write your own, and uh, if they're good, you'll get them on the show. If, as long as you do them early enough in the week. You write them on Saturday, probably not going to get on the show. Just heads up. That's a pro tip. Um, <laughs> let's get on with the email. Isaac writes in and says, Hi, gang. Swamp Thing and Constantine have been taken out of Vertigo and, quote, mainstreamed, unquote, into the New 52. This makes me wonder, what New 52 character would you like to see taken out of the mainstream and given a Vertigo book? It seems like at least a handful of books from DC's relaunch like Voodoo, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, and I, Vampire would actually have been better off as Vertigo books and allowed to do their own thing. Over at Image, Prophet and Glory have both taken barely one-dimensional characters and given them new life by giving them to uh, imaginative writers and the, with the freedom to basically do what they want with them. What do you think? Sirs. <laughs> I mean, that was, the, that was the, the start of Vertigo, really, was that they were taking DC characters and, and uh, up in the age level on them and then, you know, had books and, and those became what Vertigo was. Uh, you know, the Justice League are in Sandman for a while. <laughs> I think it would be interesting to do, like, 
characters like the Phantom Stranger or Spectre in a Vertigo esque environment, where they don't have to be superheroes and they don't have to deal with superhero stuff. They deal more with the idea of the darkness within man. Mm-hmm. You know, those those are interesting. I'm gonna go with uh, John Constantine. <laughs> I was I was gonna say that's really my leading. <laughs> they should do a book yeah, with that character. Took my joke. In six months or so, uh, I'd say. Dead man. It, I mean, it's easy to fall back on no, sort of the, the dark characters, but yeah. But I want them to do it now, though. It's one of those things. Like, I, it's not. It's not something I want. You know what I mean? Like, like I feel like the the doing of the dark adult version of the superheroes sort of been done a lot, and it's fun for like a couple of issues. I'm trying to think if there's any. To be I honest think, with you, I think it's more about saving the characters from the new Fifty Two. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just um, putting it I, into someone else's hands. That's all. I do think that that if you if you were going to do any of them, I think that uh, I Vampire would have been a, a stronger. I think sure. it would have. I'm not necessarily sure it would have lasted longer, but I think it would have been more memorable uh, if if he was allowed to sort of do whatever he wanted. If you ever read you know other stuff that Fialkov has done, dudes dudes twisted, you know, and obviously he would he would have had to hold back a little bit since it was, you know, that that kind of book. I mean, I'd read a Jonah Hex book that was like a Vertigo ongoing, although the, the regular ongoing that has been What else could have been different other than I, what I know, it was? I know, you know? I know. Uh, I'm, I'm reaching because the thing is I don't, I don't – Superman. No, I don't want – like I don't want that. Like I don't – there's no need for that for me. You know, I think that you know, you know, Animal Man is, is really close to being a Vertigo book. Yeah, know, it, was, it was in the beginning. You know, but who, who's there now? Like I don't – I don't know. I'm not, I'm not all that interested in most of them. Let's do a Guy Gardner one. Sean writes and says I was reminded of an April Fool's Day several years ago when a bunch of King Feature syndicated cartoon strips creators pulled a one day switcheroo I can't remember who switched with whom but I remember it being awesome with this in mind if you could do a one day switch of artists writers and creative teams between a comic book and a comic strip like Garfield or Gasoline Alley etc who would you switch it can be a self indulgent choice like you always wanted to see a family circus style one panel Walking Dead cartoon or as a punishment for a creator or franchise you particularly loathe Anyone up for 22 pages of Garfield? P.S. For the record, my choice for the switcheroos would be Mort Walker does a four-panel Fury Max comic strip and with Garth Ennis, Gore, and Parlov take Beetle Bailey and Sarge behind enemy lines for an issue, and that would be awesome. That would be The awesome pretty, part was pretty, my commentary. Awesome. I, would, I would vote for that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know comic strips well enough to answer this at all. Okay, well, I, I, I was thinking about this. Like, Darwin Cook doing Dick Tracy would be cool. That would be cool. You know, if if he did that for a few weeks or something, and it was just they still do Dick Tracy. I don't. I I get maybe like Um, for a few weeks. I'm like, is it's on? It's running now. Think like I don't even. I don't even know what's out there anymore. (sighs) Well, just think of. You can think of the. You know, you were kids once, and you read them maybe. Yeah, I did. Yeah, but there was a certain point though where like like all the ones that I liked went away, and it was all. Other crap. Once that I Far Side and Calvin and Hobbes left, that's when I stopped paying attention. Yeah. All right, I'm thinking James Stokoe, Fred Bassett. I think that would be fun. I think uh, Raphael Grandpa doing uh, Blondie, Marmaduke. That'd be cool. <laughs> um, it's harder to do it the other way around. To yeah. do who would from a, a comic strip would do a really good mainstream ongoing Hello. comic or something. Like that, I think Stan Lee and John Romita should do Spider Man. <laughs> Who's the Dilbert guy? Scott, what's his name? Scott Adams? He should do middle management Red Skull. <laughs> Just for a, a month. Isn't he like fiercely hated now? Yes, he is. Yeah. That's like I don't care. I just want to see him do middle management Red Skull. Just like, do it, Scott. Uh, it's Scott Snyder doing like, Funky Winker Bean. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I just know the title. It's, it's, it's about misery. 
is what Funky Winker being about. It's just a, it's a soap opera sort of comic, and just everyone like people get cancer. It's just like terrible want, things happen to them. I, I want Greg Rucka and Michael Lark to do Kathy. Because <laughs> that'd be awesome. Listen, he's good with female characters, and I don't know what that fucking strip has ever been about. I want a Gabriel Hardman Heathcliff. <laughs> I don't think he does. <laughs> That's why. That's why. You gonna do this was, shit? Was Heathcliff a, a strip or a cartoon? It was a strip. Was it? Or it was a like they had like like it was more like um like Dennis the Menace or, or Family Circus oh, where they would love like a, a panel. Right. I think. I had no, books. It's a strip. Those. It's a strip. Okay. Heathcliff was. That's fine. Who? Wait, wait, wait. You're either a Heathcliff person or a Garfield person. I went. I. I mean, I was a Garfield person, but I also bought the Heathcliff because it was like. I. I liked the Heathcliff cartoon a lot as a kid. Why can't I? Oh yeah, Yeah. Paul. You can. uh, Sure. Paul, who's doing peanuts? Or who would you like to see Charles Schultz do? Age and time, not an issue. Wait, Charles Schultz doing just a. You got to pick a comic book that Charles Schultz. A would comic do. book that he would do, uh, uh, Commandy. <laughs> <laughs> and there would be beagle some... people, and they would fly in biplanes. That actually would be kind of awesome. I kind I'm of all right with that. that. Yeah. All right. Who's gonna do peanuts though? Kirby. Kirby. Kirby peanuts. Kirby. Kirby, Kirby would do peanuts. That actually be kind of cool. That'd be awesome. So, <laughs> we should call people. Let's get some of these have books made. Trap. I'm sure they're all, all these people are alive, right? Yeah. You can email us at contact.ifanboy.com if you want to send us an email. That was a great one, Sean. Now we have time for one voicemail. Let's do one. The first call has a question about names. Salutations, gentlemen. This is Alex calling from Woodland, California. I'm out walking the dog, and I've been thinking, what's the best superhero moniker, the best fictional character name in superhero comics today. Uh, I myself am partial to The Batman. That's right. What sounds simple, succinct, is actually speaking to the larger idea that The Batman is not just a larger-than-life myth and legend in our reality, but to its own fictional reality. Uh, Superman, also succinct. How about Hawkeye? You guys let me know what you think. I'll be out walking until you answer. Thanks for all you do. Take care. So he's going he's gonna to walk until we answer this. This came in eight months ago. <laughs> That's so ugh, a little backlog. He's the Forrest Gump of dog walkers. I didn't think. He's out there going, I hate that I called. <laughs> it's funny because if, and this happens to me sometimes, if you read a name enough or you know, say it enough, it's, it, it becomes silly or loses all meaning. And right. I, I think the, the silliness of superhero names becomes more apparent the more you sort of stare at them. Because yeah. Batman is silly. So is Superman on their surface. But I agree with him that the Batman is the much more awesome way to say Batman than... So it goes, the urban myth. It's a great idea. I like stuff like, like Doctor Strange. is just kind of a neat Doctor name. Fate is one of my favorites. Yes. I don't Fate know what that cool. means. The best modern one's Winter Soldier, I think. That is a good one. I like uh, Dead Man yeah. because it's, it's, sort, it's almost subversive. You know, mm-hmm. but it's also been around for a long time, so it's kind of not anymore. Like you don't think about it, and then when you do think about it, it's like that's, he's dead, man. That's messed up. Plus, he's got that collar. It's just funny that this concept that was birthed, you know, seventy years ago in, in, in a very children-centric medium lives on, and we take it very seriously. Someone calling themselves Superman. Yeah, no, and I liked that they made attempts to get away from it. Like if you look at the Fantastic Four, that was an attempt to get away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Mister Fantastic. 
the, the imaginationless visible girl, <laughs> Human Torch, which was just a reused one, but I always like and the and the thing, which I always like the thing because it's just great you know, science fiction names as opposed yeah. to maybe a superhero name, and like that's like the Hulk too. It's like that's not a, I mean that's a thing. So and it's it's funny that that Hawkeye is is actually a sort of step away from that. Yeah, it's 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 a literary it's reference. A descriptive thing too. It's uh, who's who wrote the book? Cooper, Fenimore Cooper. Am I wrong? Isn't that a, Last of the Mohicans? Yeah. Yeah. And Hawkeye is that character. So I assume that's what that was because that was like. But I think it's thing. also he's got a Hawkeye. He's, he's Yeah, no, I know, but it's all related to that that sort of stuff. I, I always like I like that. I always I think Green Arrow is a terrible name. It doesn't mean anything. Well, that's why they call it's, him Arrow in the TV show. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, like and I, that makes total sense to well, me. They call him Green Arrow on Smallville. It's just, it's, you walk that fine line. There's a lot of suspension of disbelief where you have to kind of say, if you'd never heard of these people before and somebody showed up and said, hey, I'm Superman, you'd be like, mm-hmm. okay. I always like The Vision. The Vision is a good name. It's so great. And that's also another Golden Age sort of rehash, but I, I really, it's just neat. Like, it, it works. You know, the same, like, a Hulk is really cool. And then if you go over to the, you know, the X Men stuff, like, that's when they sort of get more clever and they have to, you know, because they have so many that they got a name. They tend to get a little more tongue in cheek about it. But uh, those are fun. But I like the really classic ones that are not straight up something man, but have also sort of been around for a while. I long do time. like the Batman, though. Oh, the totally. The is important. Right. Legion is a cool one based on what his powers are. I think that's a cool concept, and it sounds cool. I thought you were going in terms of the Legion of Superheroes, and that's so you get into dicey territory. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 no, 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 no that's actually that's, boy, and that's and the uh, that's <laughs> the body time boy is involved. That or matter eater lad, matter you know, eater. which I kind of think is awesome. It's kind of, but it, it is a mouthful. It is like he's a mouthful. He has a mouthful, but also he lays it out. What is what I do? I eat matter. And oh, it's yeah. it's sort of neat when guys do like a story where it's it's very throwbacky and it's like the the swinging sixties version of the Legion Superheroes and then they do the dark gritty future ones where they still have the same name and they use lad and stuff and so it's kind of subversive. Yeah, Actually, you know another one I really I really I always really liked Havoc mm. because they're there's like they're just slightly different. Yeah. you know it's not straight up. They had to think about it, but it's also sort of short and punchy enough, and it still has uh, you know, literal meaning to a certain extent. Man thing. Well, is he a superhero? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I love the the He's idea a transportation of device. The idea of man thing, like his people burn at the at people like was it you burn if you fear when right. he touches you? Mm-hmm. That's just ridiculous. That's that's <laughs> that's Steve Gerber. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like that shouldn't. How does that support a series? There is an omnibus of stories about that. It was a crazy time. There was lots of chemical enhancements. Thanks for the call, Alex. It was that was actually more fun than I thought it was going to be. I'll be honest. You can take your dog Twice back in. You can now go inside. You, you don't have to. I hope he doesn't live somewhere cold. He wanders I, the earth. I, hope he's I assume at least California. one shoe. One shoe has been worn out. <laughs> he looks like a hobo. <laughs> yeah. Fin Fang Foom. Fin Fang Foom is an awesome name. Yeah. You can call it eight 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 fanboys three two six two six nine seven if you were like Alex and you have a question, but do not guarantee that you will keep walking until we answer because we cannot be held responsible if we backlog your voicemail for eight months. That's true. That's Do totally we say the question? What the question? The is superhero. The question. No, the superhero. The question is a good name. Oh, that's a great one. So I was like, what did we forget on the script? It's fine. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you like this podcast, we've been doing others. The uh, Don't Miss Show is is sadly no longer with us, but there's a lot of those if you want to hear conversations with uh, in the in the sort of archives. But we look to be doing more Talksplodes, which are our interview programs with comic creators. Just this last week, we released a conversation with Charles Soule, who is the new writer of Swamp Thing, to follow Scott Snyder, 
and I, I thought it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed that show. And you were also talking about his, his upcoming book from Archaea, Strange Attractors, which I've seen, and it is it's beautiful. So you can check that out, and there's definitely more being planned. There's also the Make Comics podcast, uh, which should be coming out on Mondays these days. We moved them around a little bit. And uh, that's me and Andy Schmidt from Comics Experience talking about one aspect of making comics in the production process for those who, who, who wish to make their own comic books. So make sure to check those out on the website. And thank you for listening. I had no out there. I understand. Uh, you go to fanboy.com. Uh, you can read Paul's Pick of the Week review. And you can re- also read Paul's Book of the Month review. It's Paul Week here at iFanboy. <laughs> as well as all the in-depth comic book discussion articles. We've got daily columnists. We've got all kinds of news going on. It's fun. It's, it's a happening place. It's swinging. It's where the hip cats go. Chicks, man. Uh, you also got fanboy.com slash about. You can see our staff page as well as our social network links to be our friends online. And you can follow all the iFanboy action at twitter.com slash iFanboy and at facebook.com slash iFanboy. And you can email us at contact at iFanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS. That's 326-2697. With any questions, comments, concerns, creepy messages. Don't do that. I don't want that. Don't do that. <laughs> no one wants that. If you like Fanboy or any of the work that we do, you guys out there listening are really the ones who get the word out for us. You are our marketing and advertising arm because it turns out that we do not have a budget for that of any kind. (laughs) So if you liked a show, if you liked an article on the site, share that via your social network. Share it on Facebook. Get that stuff up there. You know, like things like that. That really helps us immensely. Um, and, uh, you know, if somebody doesn't know about it, then that'll, that'll help bring them there. Also, you can leave reviews for this web, this podcast that you're listening to now or other podcasts on iTunes. That helps. Uh, the more that are there, the better. And uh, we thank you for everybody who does stuff like that. It really is, is the, does make a huge difference. If you have a piloting license, go out there and, and, and put a message in the clouds. This is going to be your thing. That should be your thing. Every week at the end, you have another If you have an thing. old laptop you're not using, put it to ifanboy.com and throw it through somebody's window. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, Don't do hey, that. Oh. Don't do, wait, wait. No, that's a bad idea. We do My, not endorse that. Okay. Yeah. Jesus. A derelict house, like no one that no one's living in? Well, that would be pointless then. I mean, if you're going to do it's it. Squatters. Vandalism. If you're going to do it, there should be a family in there. At least try to aim for a home that has somebody who's possibly going to be in there. endorse any of this. Do the plane thing. Yeah. Up in the, up in the sky, what do if that. The, what if the plane also had a lot of old laptops and he dropped them indiscriminately across that's neighborhoods? Okay. It's like Johnny Appleseed. I like that. He'd be like a folk hero. For us, <laughs> dozens killed by falling laptops. Don't do it from like really high the up. Pop culture website, ifanboy.com. Stay in the troposphere. Yeah, he's a hang glider. You know, maybe that's what happened in Russia. Somebody went really high and dropped the laptop. Oh, I'm just picturing little laptops with little parachutes. Oh, oh with parachutes. You're just talking yeah. about. Uh, oh, that's totally <laughs> that makes, different. That makes a lot more sense. Then you got to deal with the wind, of course. Okay, until next week in which Hellblazer ends and Josh quits the show in disgust, I am Connor. I should probably give the computers to needy children instead of using it as an app, but you can advertise. I'm Paul. He's not wrong about that Hellblazer thing. I'm Josh. I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said I'd like to see you if you don't mind He said I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids are the flu But it's your nice talking to you, Dad It's been your nice talking to you And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me He'd grown up just like me My boy was just like me